Hello and welcome to the Beginner's Handbook. I'm Jordan. I'm Jamie. And in this episode we are going to be talking about problem players. Yeah. So, so I think maybe before we even kick into it, why don't we just ask yourselves the question, How, if you're a GM, how have you actually ever, or have you ever had a problem player first of all? And if you have, have how have you handled it? Because it's actually not, it can be quite hard to handle them, especially if they're big personalities that like to argue. Um, but otherwise, if you're a player, how have you felt about these problem players? Did you guys address it? Did you get the GM to address it? Or did you just start going to games and not inviting them? Like, how did it happen? I'm just curious to hear the different approaches because I've certainly had my fair share of them. Mm-hmm. But, I, but yeah, no, I thought you were going to start off there by going, are you a problem player? How are you a problem player? Explain, why? tell yeah. us why. What's your motivation? Why? But no, that, that would be being argumentative and we'll be coming on to that in a little bit where we'll, we'll talk about the difference between being argumentative, being offering feedback or, you know, um, pointing out maybe discrepancies in rules and, you know, so we'll get a kind of quick sort of overview of the different sort of categories of people that you might come across that then may become a problem or, you know, kind of give you some issues, shall we say. Yeah, so I mean, really what is, well, I think we've kind of defined what a problem player is, but just to kind of just totally summarise it there, basically a problem player, at least in my opinion, Mm -hmm. is someone that just causes problems at the table. Now that doesn't have to be someone that argues all the time at your table, it might just be that even people that are like chronic late and interrupt people all the time and then they leave early and disrupt the game, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, any sort of constant or somewhat frequent disruption to the games and potentially hampering your experience as a GM or your experience as a player or both, I would consider that person to be a problem player. I don't know if there's anything else to add to that. I I think that's a pretty good summary of it and it was something that I kind of thought about that when people think of problem players, they probably think about someone who is being disruptive when they're actually physically at the table or you know through an online platform or whatever rather than someone who's a problem player could be somebody who cancels at the last minute they could be turning up late you know there's other things that can feed into that but um i think primarily what we're going to do for this episode anyway is focus on kind of kind of more kind of conflict side of things when it comes to a problem player and physically being at the table rather than some of those kind of yeah. other things that are kind of maybe more in kind of more appropriate to talk about in a kind of table manners episode or something that we'll probably end up doing at some point as well um, but for the sake of just now that's I think what we're going to be focusing on yeah yeah definitely so I mean the thing is because you can get problems like even just to give an example there's people there's a, a particular person I have in mind about some of the games we were doing at a comic shop who would cancel at last minute he would never show up when he showed up he was he was arguing all the time so he was ticking or crossing out every good box that he should have been crossing out he was ticking all the right ones to be a problem and it's a shame but I think to just preface this whole episode it might be worth just saying, if you've got problems with players, you just can work it out, okay? And there's sometimes reasons for people that maybe maybe they are, they are cancelling last minute, or it could be to do with maybe they're, they're trying to correct your rules because you've got it wrong, and they might not be coming from a bad place. So it's always worth just taking what we're saying, especially with this sort of thing. With a pinch of salt, um, I think ultimately you'll know 
your own players better than anyone else. Um, and if there is someone that's going to cause frequent problems and they're still pals with you and things like that, you can always be addressing that. So mm. I think maybe what we'll do then is before we kick in, mm-hmm. I'll just define, because people that argue at the table for whatever reason, it, you know, sometimes that's okay, sometimes it's in-character arguing, sometimes it's players not making their mind up about stuff. Um, but when I say it, when we talk about argumentative players for the sake of this episode... It's people that come in and like consistently, like arguing with somebody could be about the objective at hand or maybe they want to do something and they disagree with another player and it comes out of character and it becomes just people arguing at your table. That's it's kind of specifically what I mean by argumentative players and that doesn't maybe include, like sometimes maybe players will correct each other or keep each other right or maybe even keep you right as GM. Yeah, that's okay, you know, it's it's fine because all, you're trying to do a game together and sometimes you'll make mistakes and somebody correcting you is not grounds for being a problem at all and I openly, uh, or sorry, I'm quite open about people doing that in my games just, I mean, as, as Jamie knows I run a lot of different games and I'm, during the week and it's not just with Jamie and the guys there's different systems involved <coughs> with different players that want different things in their games so quite often I'll maybe mix up rules or just forget certain ones when you've done Alien I completely forgot you guys can push rules so it lets you re-roll oh, failed yeah. dice which is a very big mechanic in it so there's yeah. stuff like that I'll be covering um, now at least nothing, nothing was lethal so far but that's why it's, it's worth me bringing it up so, but I, so that you're going to make mistakes and as someone like myself who's run hundreds and hundreds of hours of games I still mm-hmm. do it and I'm going to continue to do it you know mm-hmm. so it's, it's worth being open for people's feedback and things but specifically for arguing we're talking about people fighting at your table and just making it unpleasant for one if not everyone at, at the table I think yeah so maybe the last thing to cover there is people that moan at the table it's okay to have a moan sometimes if you've been rolling absolutely terrible all night I think we all understand how crap that feels like just to totally mm-hmm. bomb it all night you fail every save you're paralysed for half of a piece of combat whatever it may be or maybe you get hit by a monster in Cthulhu and you just die because you failed your save it can be annoying but it's okay let people have their little moan as long as it's not hampering everybody's you know mm-hmm. experience or generally putting a dark cloud over the game you'll be fine so yeah. that's just how I would define what we're going to talk about when we specifically talk about arguing or kind of more unpleasant things in the games that might happen. Yeah. Is there anything else? Uh, I don't think there's too much to add there, but just kind of picking up on what you're sure. saying as well. Like if somebody is like Mihira, you know, when a role doesn't go particularly well, it's not necessarily a bad thing, just like you were touching on there that ultimately can be a sign that they're really, really, really into the game. Yeah. And because something hasn't went well, they're they're upset, they're this, they're that, whatever. And it shows that they're engaged with the game because they're wanting to progress the story, they're wanting their character to survive because, you know, they've invested time into it or, you know, somebody else hasn't, Roll particularly well, and then they're at risk of becoming separated from the party. You know, whatever whatever the situation is, then it's not necessarily a bad thing. What you need to watch out for is that when the moaning starts becoming less about how it's affecting the story and more about that person and their kind of I don't know weak wrist action when it comes to rolling a dice or something. 
Yeah, definitely. So it's just it's worth keeping all that in mind as we go forward because we don't want to sound like people that are just going to moan either. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you'll find even as well, like if, just like you're saying, Jamie, there with uh, if people. The thing is, people kind of been disappointed that things are going yeah. wrong. It just shows that they're immersed somewhat into your game, or at least have a sort of a presence mm-hmm. there to it. So you know. Sometimes what's nice to do as well is see if you're finding people are getting a bit frustrated with games all the time. Maybe mm. try spicing it up. Yeah, well, I suppose just just with what Jordan said there, it's, it's trying to figure out the difference between disappointment yeah. and moaning or complaining. That's, that's yeah. the thing. Aye, that's it. So it's like even there's guys that I play D&D with and all that, and sometimes it's like, oh, so many rules, especially just by how many players. Sometimes there is. The last one was like a count of nine, I think, so it's too much. <laughs> But, um, you know, I changed up, just to give you an example of this, like we changed up the game um, to something more hardcore and people were just dying and stuff, but it, it gave them a new perspective on the game and it gave them a new perspective in D&D and it allowed them to be more um, assertive in their actions and stuff and it, it kind of it changed their perspective a bit, so it's worth saying that. One thing I would also say just before we go on, because it happens and it's the first kind of person I want to, type of person I want to speak about, but... A problem player also isn't somebody that, you know, if you say you make a ruling as a GM and somebody goes, oh, I didn't think that's how it worked, you know, whatever it is, or they say, oh, I thought it didn't work like that or whatever, no, that's fine. They might be wanting to suggest the right rule, but they also might have genuinely not known, rather than it being like they're having a wee jab at you as a GM, it's maybe actually just a case where they go, oh, I didn't realise that's how it worked. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had that, and I think we've had that as well, where early on we thought that. Um, I think the GM was saying that if you were doing magic in D&D you would add your spellcaster modifier to damage and stuff like that just because that's how it works for melee combat and ranged combat so, so then we, why not yeah and, and we were like well I'm, I remember saying I didn't think it worked like that because it didn't say that in the book but I was like I hadn't read the rule book so I was like cool that's awesome you know mm-hmm. and yeah. we found out later that wasn't quite right but you know it's okay like, we were learning you know and I think this was very early on in our D&D days so yeah yeah and ultimately with that what was the difference between the modifier being there yeah. and not being there exactly Aye, nothing. You know, it wasn't like it was the difference between actually being able to attack somebody or to defend yourself or, yeah. you know, it wasn't integral to the story. So what difference did it make? Not a lot. Yeah, and that's it. For us, it was all about learning the game. And I think we had that incorrect rule for like a very, very long time. But then, you know, we none of us, I don't think the rest of us had ran a game, at least for that group. Um, until that point because I hadn't done any Cthulhu or anything by that point yeah and in, in my defence with the suspiciously long time period that that went on for I, I avoided spellcasters for a long time right. just to keep right. things simple for myself just hack and slash keep going hack and slash and then, then it was only kind of later on when I started doing the spellcasters that I that, just figured that's when it appeared. So it was you that figured that one out then, right? Yeah, I think so. Or at very least I kind of raised the question. I can't 100% remember, but I think it was... Yeah, I think it was me. But anyway, that's that's a different topic for another I, day. I know, Rob. So why don't we just go into <clears throat> kind of types of problem players or people that might argue? And I think that it's a good place to maybe just step into, and that's rules lawyers... Have you had any experience with these sort of people? I mean, to be honest, I think most of our games has been with us, so we've probably not had as much of that going on. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the only time was when I tried to figure out if I was insta-killed in, in Cthulhu because you'd clobbered me with a wrench. But that wasn't being like, hold on, 
going through the book. Mm-hmm. It was more just a case of a man's dead here should be doing a save, but things we could have kept, we, I think we kept it going and things. So it was just, it was more yeah. just uh, the detail. I would have been screwed anyway because you could have just finished me off. But um, have you had an experience with problem players that you can share at all? Or? To be honest, no. Everybody's been. I can't think of an right example with, with rules. Yeah. The only kind of time possibly where we've maybe run into that is maybe and again I'm kind of I'm almost kind of <laughs> making up the, the scenario <laughs> almost to kind of get this in but the only time I think is if me personally I've been confused about a rule but I've been like convinced that I'm right so that when I've been questioned on it, I'm going, no, 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 because no, you're just 100% sure, and it's only when you kind of get the layer of dust off one of the handbooks and start flicking through that you go, oh, no, that's completely wrong, right, okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think in that situation, it's it's kind of probably been myself, but it's been because I've, I've misread something or whatever, and I've carried that forward and I've used it for however long to the point that it's been kind of an ingrained habit, if you like. And it's only when somebody else is, again, like in the, the case of the spell casting and things, mm-hmm. like if somebody else has decided to do that, a particular class for the first time or whatever, so they are, they're fresh with the rules, they've just read it, they're up to date, they're up to speed. And then that's where you get the kind of conflicting um, interpretation or misread or, you know, whatever it is that, that's going on. So I think that's really the only sort of times that would have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the point that, it's, again, it's not that big a deal. Because, like, for me personally, like, if somebody, like, raises a question about something, I'll... I'll give whatever I think the answer is and then if they're still unsure or whatever in the kind of second or third check or the second or third time that they ask about something then I'll I'll go to the handbook and I'll, I'll dust it off and I'll find it or I'll, I'll get whatever source that I've, I've lifted the information from and then I'll, I'll share it with them, I'll show them it and then go look here and whatever. Because again, sometimes you misread things or you misinterpret yeah. or whatever. Um, and then either they, they then look at it and go, oh yeah, you were right. Or they look at it and then they explain what they mean. And then you look at it and go, actually, do you know what? I see what you're saying. Yeah, we'll go with that. So I'm never ever kind of precious about being right when it comes to stuff. Um, and one of the things as well that I've kind of, not learned, I suppose that's not the right word, but one of the things that I've been aware of, just again, if you're ever looking online and discussion boards and whatever else, you'll see, <clears throat> you'll see all sorts of different interpretations for some of the rules because the way that they're worded, you can interpret it in different ways. So I was lucky enough to be kind of aware of that early on, which has meant that from our kind of earlier games to now, I've never ever went down the this is the way it is end mm-hmm. of yeah you know I've I've always <clears throat> I've always left it open to 
to hearing other people's thoughts on, on the rules because at the end of the day they might have a better interpretation than what you did so I've never been kind of too precious about being right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the thing is before we even can dive deeper into rules lawyers and stuff, I think you know people use this really cool. I think the reason for me, I, most of the games are, if not all of the games that I do, we do actually stick very closer to the rules. Now there's times players that haven't realised that, um, but that's okay. Um, and it's the thing is I'm not really the reason I don't tend to break them a lot is because unless it's a homebrew thing, uh, but I don't tend to break them because they're there for balance. So they're for a reason. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean... And then people use this rule of cool thing, which I, I, I get the sentiment behind it, but if you're just going to let people do stuff whenever they want, the problem I've found that's had, and thankfully not in any games I've run, because it's just I've got a good group, but certainly the games that I've been part of at, like, local comic shops and things, is there's, there's, there's almost this thing where people feel like there's favourites. You know, the thing is, rule of cool mm-hmm. is up for interpretation then sometimes. And I've seen people get a bit annoyed at the table when they've been allowed to do something, but this other person had to do a check. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, they've been allowed to do something that they're not allowed to do, like they effectively get extra actions in D&D or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they've been allowed to basically get more than what other players are allowed. So... It, it, really cool, I get the sentiment, but I mean, the way to do that is just don't make somebody do a check. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's ways that you can get around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, our guys do stick to rules, but I'm always open with things. Like, I'll say, I think this is what the rule is. If somebody can find it within like the next 20 seconds, and most people can with their mm-hmm. control find, um, but if somebody can correct me before we move on to the next round of combat, we can get it working. Yeah. Or if I don't know a rule, what I tend to do is just go, I don't know this rule. If someone can look it up while I sort out everything else, then we'll say this is what happens or someone can suggest it. We come to an agreement, but usually what happens is if I don't believe the player, I'll just give them something that's a bit more kind of in their favour rather than mine. Just And it means it's mm-hmm. easier to kind of retcon if you wanted to go that far, but I don't think I've ever had to do that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but rules lawyers really are the people that sit at that table have their little black notepad out with a little pen they roll up their glasses and say actually this is how the game's supposed to be played and what I've found a lot of the time is the people that make a big point of wanting to correct people in their rules all the time is the people that don't actually have the rules right in the first place I've never actually had a game where somebody like that actually had a good grasp like a complete grasp of yep. the rules to the in the way that they think they have because mm-hmm. these games are big we've played D&D for years mm-hmm. and I still couldn't tell you what every level of exhaustion is I might have a level of it an idea but it might not be quite right um, yeah. and it's okay not to know all the rules so I, how do you handle a rules lawyer then and I think just to start that I would say I think the main thing is you need to assert yourself a wee bit as a GM you know I think sometimes people that become problematic rules lawyers they at least the way that I look at it is they mean well. At least that's what they're... They try to mean well mm-hmm. and they just become a pest, really. Um, and I've seen this quite a lot, especially games that maybe you don't know your players. Um, they might not have that level of trust with you yet. It might be at a comic shop or something. Um, I see most of the time any problem players that tends to be with people I don't know so much because mm-hmm. it's at public mm-hmm. events, whether it be a convention or, or, or the shop. Um, but I mean the way I've tended to handle that is just like say to him look this is how I'm ruling it now so I'm going to please ask you to stop arguing basically Mm -hmm. Um, but you find you'll know if people are becoming a problem if you're getting a bit annoyed and other players are but I don't know if anything else yeah well just kind of picking up on 
on what you're saying there sure. about like a, a kind of a group of players you don't know. Sure. So whether that's an event, comic shop, you know, whatever. Then at that point, then if, if the kind of pedantic following of the rules appears, like I think you can kind of forgive that a little bit more. And for, see if I'm putting it in a different context. Sure. Like if you look at it like from like sports, if you look at like football as an example. So if you turn up and then, you know, you've got two teams that, you know, have never met, don't know each other, but both teams can sit and can play the game because there's a standardised set of rules that they all follow and that they all understand. Whereas if you've got a new group of players and you're doing homebrew stuff or if you're doing or if you've misinterpreted something mm-hmm. then that can then upset rhythm and flow and other things because you've got people that are that are lost because they're yeah. not able to follow that so in, in a kind of like random random's the wrong word but you know if you've got a, a group that you're not familiar with and you're probably going to need to stick to the rules a bit more and if you've got a group that you're not familiar with you're probably going to get people wanting to point out rules because everybody's kind of trying to find a sort of level platform to work with whereas the more you know people I think the kind of the rule keepers I think they kind of will diminish more because people know you and trust you and understand what you do so if it is a homebrew rule or if it's a misinterpretation that they think is a homebrew rule which again could be going on then chances are they're just going to run with it whereas when you've got that new group of people then I, I don't think that's as likely to happen I don't think the kind of the empathy is going to be as strong you think so actually I'm thinking about it and actually in practice I find the opposite and the reason for it is and now not for all not especially not our group but I've certainly seen it where people are more comfortable to point out stuff that you've got wrong mm-hmm. maybe that's the flip side though so maybe it just depends on the context it determines how many people pull up the rules mm-hmm. but I've certainly had and I've run probably more games I've run a lot of games in like a kind of more public setting than I have, like that I've had this, in terms of the games that I've had people arguing and stuff, I've had that more in pe- like home games than I actually have had in public games and I think the reason for it is I tend to set up and I don't do this at home games where I kind of say this is what we're doing, you know, and I kind of describe it, I tend to leave out homebrew. Mm-hmm. all my games just I don't think we need it there's so many rules there's so many things you've got you don't need homebrew for the most part although it does make it more exciting I think the exclusive homebrew rule that everyone uses is potions are not a bonus action even though they technically are um, they're a full action but it's like who cares but I've found certainly with some some especially players the, the people that seem to know a game are the people that always seem to point it out I've found Mm-hmm. But they don't tend to be as bad. This is where I find it. I find the rule pointing out in home games is more common. But I, I feel like people just leave out the whole, the lawyery part. When it gets a, a problem, that's where I see less of it. Whereas sometimes you don't know who you've got at your table if it's in public. Some of them might think they know better than everyone. Although I find some people are too shy. And usually when you give them a warning, like, look, wrap it, please. They tend to mm-hmm. shut up, basically. Whereas I've had a bit more of the, the opposite for home games where they just argue back sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
but aye. that's the thing I would I would I would totally agree with aye. you in a public setting. Aye. And again, I think we talked about this in a previous episode. Right. How your environment is gonna change how things how things play out. I think mm-hmm. we're maybe talking about it with um romance if you haven't seen that and how your environment is gonna change how that's you're right. gonna role play that that's strangely right. enough. Yeah. Um won't go into details on that. Watch the episode. Um so if you're in public, I think in general people are gonna be less likely to be arguing with you. Whereas if you're in a home setting in general, the people know you more and are therefore more likely if they feel like aggrieved or you know that there's some form of um RPG injustices went on, then they'll be more likely to argue their corner. So I'd agree with you in a home setting, arguments are more likely to happen than in public, because again, people in general don't want to make a scene and people in general, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'd agree with you in that. But in terms of the rigid rule-keeping side of things, I still think it's more likely to happen in public because people know you more. So rather than pointing something out and having a disagreement, where it would be just pointing something out, it would be a, no, but this is supposed to be like that, no, this is supposed to be like that, because, again, that kind of, that kind of sport analogy, that everybody is turning up with, everybody needs to be on the same page in order to play, and if that's not mm-hmm. happening, then, you know, it can be perceived as cheating, or this or that, or whatever, which is where you, Again, I think you'll get more rigid rule keeping. Ah, it's interesting because actually, even even after that explanation, again, I would still uh, the way I would actually split it is the people that know each other versus that don't know. I found the people that don't now there is people that do it that mm. you don't know and they try and they try and rules lawyer, but they back down quite quick when you tell them to can take a hike. But even in public, I still find in generally and now our group has never been like this, so maybe that's why you're mm. talking about it like that. But in practice, I've seen people in public that have literally argued and in, in front of everyone about mm-hmm. rules, and I'm going, "This is, this is bananas, this is crazy." But I think maybe that's what it's actually because they know each other as well. So it's interesting, um, and I think really for me then, well, how does it? How do you solve that? And I think we'll come into the kind of main strategies in detail later on. Mm-hmm. But I think really it's a case where you do, you do, you need to tell, you need to set the scene, mm-hmm. and you know, I think with our games we don't tend to have this problem because we know each other and we might point stuff out occasionally, although I don't think we've really had to a lot. Um, yeah, we haven't had to and again, in general... Can't trust the GM to do his thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, and again, you, there is the kind of odd homebrew thing kicking about as well, so you yeah. just... So, well, personally speaking, I'm quite flexible with it. Just ask for clarification yeah, if I'm not sure, right. get it, and then run with it. But here and there with some of our games, like if we get to a lull in the game, so if it's waiting for somebody to click through and okay. do like two yeah. or three kind of combinations of rules for an action, occasionally somebody will pop in and go, oh, by the way, see if you look at page such and such in the player's handbook, then that's got that covered. You know, they'll, they'll give the source, but then they'll sit back They'll not argue yeah, about the source, they'll not talk point. about the rule, they'll just go, here's what it is, if you want to look well, we've got a lull, that's or perfect. on a break uh, during the game, they might yeah. then talk and go, oh here, by the way, it actually says this, this, this and this, 
and then again, I think nine times out of ten, normally we go see because that happened earlier on, but we just stick with that for tonight, and then it keeps everything consistent. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, and this kind of is touching on again something we've mentioned before, which is keeping the flow of a game mm-hmm. and how that's probably it's probably the most important thing to do. Like keep the flow of the game and then stick to a set of rules in terms of your order of priority. Because even if you've got rules wrong, as long as the flow of the game is still going, everybody's still doing something, you're keeping engagement yeah. and ultimately you're still gonna be having fun and playing a game rather than, you know, studying and <laughs> reading a text. But, but this is something that I think this is what I appreciate about our group quite a lot because mm-hmm. we can do that and t- like I've already gave the example. If I don't know a rule, I'll I'll say what I think the rule is. I'll ask somebody to back it up and or tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But we'll keep it moving in the meantime and I can rate the thing is usually because I put something in the player's favour, it's easier to retcon if we wanted to go that far. But for them Nobody wants to retcon that anyway. You know, I'll say maybe he takes a wee bit of damage, but you don't get knocked prone, even though maybe you're supposed to be knocked prone. So I mean, it's not big a big deal overall, but we will do that. And stars without number was one that with the hacking rules. I think our GM had, had decided like just this is how we'll do it now, and I had to back up. I went back and checked it. And I think we did retcon it because it was quite a big thing. Mm-hmm. But we were okay just to kind of keep things moving and I checked stuff while other things were getting worked mm-hmm. out. And it's okay, and if we didn't, if we didn't record, whatever we ended up doing, it doesn't matter. But then we've got a really good group for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's other groups that I'm part of where the whole rules. And this is where I was talking about home games versus public games. But I've kind of reframed it as people that know each other versus don't. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, there's people in some of these other groups, and it's every flaming week. I'm no joking, and it's just like. And I said to the guy one time, I was like, guy, guy, whatever. I know people called guy, and if you ever hear this. The guys that I know that are called guy, I'm not talking about you. It's other. It's another guy. That's a clever um, double bluff you've just done. Yeah. Oh God, guy. Um, but I, it's, I've said to him like, look, you, can you just wrap this? Like we've heard thirty minutes of you arguing with the GM who has homebrewed a lot in his game. To be fair, he would have been better playing Pathfinder than actually homebrewing it because he's he's grafted half of Pathfinder's rules onto D and D. He says it's a unique new system. And I said that's called Pathfinder Second Edition, my man. It's called plagiarism. Uh, he's not. He doesn't. He's not read Pathfinder. He's very much against it, probably because the first version was very verbose. But um, I so in terms of handling and handling them, though, it's certainly a case where I would just say put your foot down a wee bit as GM and just say. Other players aren't going to be like, oh, oh no, how dare you do that? Like, you're supposed to be running the game and run it the way you think it is. If you have a rule wrong, as a GM, you should correct yourself at a later point. Just maybe learn from it. And certainly my experience, other than maybe a couple of instances in the last three or four months, I can't even remember like other times because I've just went cool they're trying to help probably mm-hmm. and if they're not then they're probably not come back to the games anyway you know so it doesn't matter it yeah. solves it yeah yeah I mean that's another thing as well kind of similar to when we talked about if somebody is just moaning and complaining versus somebody that's disappointed if somebody's disappointed that's the positive side of things that are involved in the game they really yeah. want things to go and well you know that's a good thing if you've got somebody that's moaning, then it's somebody that's that's complaining. It's somebody that's unhappy. So you've got some issue there that needs to be resolved. And it's a similar thing to what you're saying there. If somebody is pointing something out, 
it's because they want to have your back, it's because they don't want you to be making a mistake necessarily. Yeah. Whereas if you've got somebody that's again been poor lawyers, they get they get everything in the neck. Um but if somebody's been a bit lawyery about it, because that's the best word I can think of just now, just half the people watching this turn off because you know they're really into lawyers or something. Um don't know why you'd be really into lawyers because you know, lawyers. But anyway, so if you've got somebody that's really, 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 really into rule keeping and being quite pedantic about it, then that's somebody that's just doing that for the sake of doing it and it's not adding anything constructive and it's not coming from a place where they either don't want you to be making mistakes or they don't want you to be embarrassed or they don't want the game to start getting derailed because all of a sudden people can like teleport through walls or whatever kind of crazy, crazy stuff has started happening because the rules have started slipping. So at that point as well, is the person pointing this out because they're trying to help you or is the person pointing out because they want to be right? Yeah, and I would assume... It's because they want to help. I know that's not always the case because there is people that just are wanting to be a pain. But just assume it. And if it starts to get really frustrating, I would speak to them about it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, for the most part, I would say if you are someone that feels like you're correcting rules a lot, I mean, because you might you might be in the boat where you are correcting people and I'm not a rules lawyer, but you might actually be coming across as one. I would just say, see if you're playing a game and you're not enjoying it because you feel like the rules aren't getting followed. I would either speak to your GM privately or just stop playing the game and because you're you're not doing yourself a favour at that point. So that's just something at least I feel like. There's games I've been involved in that people, you know, it's it's weird that they, they try and do ultra-hardcore rules um, and they think it's really cool, but really it's just un, it's unpleasant to play. You know, it's just like, that. it feels like just getting rammed against a wall and battered all the time. But, you know, there's some game systems that enjoy themselves with that, like Aliens, one of them. But when you're playing D&D and you want to just relax and play a fantasy guy and then they're getting told that, you know, your guys... Anyway, you know, there's games like that. Just don't bother playing them, you know, or at least change what you're looking for in the game. Um, I'd just say, before we move on to the next one, probably the good example that I've seen of this recently was one of my players was a bit upset because um, he was trying to do spells. And he's like, oh, it's a bonus action. He says, but this spell's an action. This one's a bonus action. You know, and in D&D, it's like you have actions attacking with a weapon as an action which you can get more than one of but it's not more than one action it's just you get two attacks per action hold on just to explain this um, we'll figure that one out anyway. <laughs> we'll keep it in um, but I think the thing is with me um, when it comes to the spell casting it's like the guy's like I want to be able to cast more it says I've got two attacks and it does say make a ranged attack with a spell so I get where the guy's getting confused but spell casting is on action and he was expressing frustration because he thought this is how the rule worked I just told him basically shut it you know <laughs> you're just that's that's the way we're doing it but I decided later on and while I don't do a lot of homebrews I'll maybe do minor homebrews like I changed it just to be like look if you have your action and you've got a bonus action and you've got two spells that you can use and you've got the casting time for it, etc. Then we'll just do it. Um, but just know that I'll be doing that too with my casters and a lot of mine are much more scary than them. Mm-hmm. So, but we, we stuck with it and we're okay with it and it was fine. Sure. The thing is, the way I looked at it was the guy had a different opinion and I actually do agree. I think it's a bit silly. Like when you're, If you're going to allow for multiple attacks mm-hmm. but spellcasters get inhibited and know they're stronger 
but you know they're going to burn through their spell slots quicker if you let them cast two. So we just went, well, what would make them enjoy the experience mm-hmm. and make me need to or like can manage them less? What would re- reduce my management ability on them or need to do that all the time? I just went, cool, we'll just do two. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just be flexible as well. If it's going to be a consistent issue, maybe look at it differently. But mm-hmm. I would just say that's my example for that. So I think then the next one for me is like problem starters like in your games. And I would maybe say people that are kind of like problem characters and things like that and mm-hmm. that basically cause problems as much as they can in the game for whatever reason. I don't know if you've got any examples off the top of your head that you'd want to share about any experiences you've had. Although most of our games have been fine. Mm-hmm. There's a couple I can think of from our games, but I promise yeah. I won't use any of those. I'll use some of the plenty of others that I've got. <laughs> I think probably the one that we're both thinking of that's the most prominent is um, try to think of a, an acronym, uh, not an acronym, sorry, a, a, kinda, a nickname just mm-hmm. to kind of disguise this. Um, and I can't, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. Detergent brick is about the best I've came up with mm-hmm. so far. Um, to come that guy doesn't really matter if right. a nickname is only one one right. character so, we're thinking of. Alright, so with this particular character, um it was a rogue, so you know, kinda classic in the sense of, you know, sneaking about, stealing, you know, ticking all all the boxes for all that. It's great, and it's fine. The way it worked out is he came the not not the player, the character came into the party later on in the game because of a series of mishaps that happened earlier on. So so basically the kind of core of the party had been established and they'd bonded and had done a lot of things together up until this point and this new character came in. And from memory he was supposed to be a younger character rather than kind of yeah, it was a mid kind of, adult, middle aged, yeah. older, yes, yeah, so kind of younger. Yeah. Teenager in the early adulthood. Yeah, that's roughly. right. I in terms of the race or playing that was the idea. They were probably older than human years, but yeah, 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 yeah. kinda like teenager into young adult area. Yeah, if we're using the human equivalent scale. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's the kind of sort of rough overall background. So one of the first things that happened is the character that I was playing was an older character, so somebody in their, again, using the kind of human equivalent scale in their kind of 50s, mid-50s, you know, somebody has been in there, done that, is involved in kind of keeping overall kind of group kind of stable and kind of making sure everybody's following the rules and making sure nothing too crazy is happening. And uh, almost the first conversation, the character is then not showing <laughs> a kind of a level of deference to him in terms of he's, he's been in the group longer than him and he's an older character and, you know, th- different things that, you know, if you've done it to anybody in the street, you'd be you'd be getting uh, a talking to or worse, you know. So that that was what was happening. So from that point there, in the RP sense, there was there was a kind of a level of disrespect there. And the other thing that started to emerge is 
is disruption. So disruption, like if you had one character, one player character negotiating with the GM, then this character would be <laughs> would then come in with what their opinion was, which is more brash and kind of aggressive when it comes to negotiating. So a negotiation that was going okay, then quickly was getting derailed. Um, and, and different other bits and pieces were happening. So the kind of, the overall intent from the character wasn't to be disruptive and it wasn't to make things worse and difficult for any of the other established characters. It was to, and again, this is my understanding from it, might be wrong, but it was to be a kind of, kind of cheeky, kind of Jack the Lad sort of character mm -hmm. to engage with a bit of kind of fun for the player and to kind of put a bit of spark in the campaign and maybe do something a little bit different. But from my point of view, what had happened was we've now got somebody who is a liability because anytime when we try and get something done and negotiated, we've got this random element that might appear that's going to derail it or a piece of combat that is potentially going to happen that you're looking at and going, right, there's an easy way to, to avoid this by not saying something or saying mm -hmm. something diplomatic or this or that, then was turning into combat. And the way that the rules were for this campaign is that long rest were no longer eight hours. A long rest was a week. So in that particular campaign, you then go, right, well, you've got different choices to weigh up because, you know, if you burn through a lot of your abilities that take a long time to reset and then you've got a lot of sitting about and not doing much for that to then happen. So, um, was it that particular character you were thinking of? Yeah, I think with for me with that particular character, I get the, the concept was something I think the player was more interested in. Although what I do remember, I seem to remember, although I might be mixing this up with another character, I mean, this, this particular player's had multiple characters that have been basically against the grain and really been made almost to kind of push the boundaries a bit and see what they can get away with. At least that's my takeaway from it. So it wasn't even just the character was trying to be a bit of a pest. The player was trying to push and see what they can, what buttons they can get away with pushing and things. So, and I get the concepts all right for that and I understand what they were going for. But I feel like if you're going to need to fall back and that's what my character would do and you need to use that as a defence, like, a lot, then it kind of suggests that you've made a problem character, which is, um, you know, by proxy making it a bit of a problem player. Now, the thing is, we do know the guy and he's not trying to be malicious or anything, so it wasn't like he went to the extent of being a problem player that we have to discuss about. It was just a case where we were quite frequently needing to bash characters' heads together. No bash, like put our characters' heads together and figure mm -hmm. out how we're going to solve the, the issues. And then my guy's firefighting a lot just with it. And I'm sitting going, my guy doesn't have any charisma to save himself and I'm needing to do this. I'd rather use the axe, but not in a player character. But, um, oh, until later. That happened much later. Um, but did, yeah. Yes, and with more than one character, I'll add it was with two. Um, yeah, but, but talking about that at that point, then I was going right. Okay, if we're if we're going down the, this is what my character would do. Then I was sitting on the fact that I'm going. Well, my character is really getting quite annoyed with this. Yeah. So uh, my character is is very close to hurting your character in a very serious way. 
Yeah, I think one of the key themes you're going to hear through all of these examples is like communicating stuff and a way that you can do that. If that's what your character's going to do, then my character's going to kick you out of the cab sort of idea. You know, now I think I've probably stated that. Now, I didn't say that in response ever because it wasn't like I was annoyed. Mm-hmm. It was more something I was talking to the GM uh, during decisions and it wasn't private conversations. I'm sure mm-hmm. these were all public, like everybody was there. Um, saying things like that. This guy's like a liability. He's a belligerent. Like he's constantly causing issues. He's been a pain. He never listens to authority. Why would I want this guy to come out with us and do stuff? You know, um, like why would I trust him to go on this big adventure? You know, when this guy's probably going to sell us out or, or do us over. You know, who knows what the intentions are. So, but I mean, so how do you solve that issue? Well, I think a big one's like what we're saying. We need to communicate that. Maybe even if it's if it is if everybody at the table's having the issue, mm-hmm. it's definitely worth talking to the GM about it and saying, look, this is doing our heads in, and maybe speak to the player as well after that and just say, look, this character's been a pain. Um, for us, as it was going to become, I think a big problem. Like, cause I was getting to the point where I'm like, I'm going to say to the guy, like, because every game became a slog. You know, it was just. Always arguing, and I think I had your characters. We we done it in character as long as we could before I think my patience ran out. Where I was like, if you two can't get on, is that's it, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, but that was my kind of chance to try and be like, right, this guy needs to. Um, but then it got to the point like between us being totally shafted for like over a year of playing the game, you know, it was like this was on top of all of that. And at that time, I think I was working two jobs. So I was just like, I'm coming here just to relax and I have my pals. And now every single game feels like five hours of work, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but he eventually died anyway. So it was a shame because I think we were actually getting progress. I felt like the the um, relationships were kind of being glossed over and building. And then it was like, he died. I was like, oh, after all this work, oh my God. Because I think, I think for me, for that guy, and this is when it comes to problem players, and it's worth mentioning like we've done pvp before so if that episode's out before this mm-hmm. listen to that one i think we might cover some of this but certainly i think as a gm if you when people are making their concepts and bring them to you be aware of how these characters might interplay and if you're going to intend to have like contrasting agendas and things like that you need to let people know because what might happen is there's an unintentional actual conflict mm-hmm. we never had that with this game but I certainly know players that probably would have had conflict if, let's say, they had some of the guys that I've been speaking about to you before um, and they were at the table and that stuff would have been happening. It would have been a case of that character probably would have got killed off, whereas we're just trying to have fun, you know. So it's worth, you need to be careful when you're having kind of characters with different agendas. A way that this is, I think we talked about it with um, Alien, is they do, they've got um, cinematic scenarios and a lot of their players characters not all of them but a few of them uh, across all the campaigns just so you don't know which ones i'm talking about and um, some of them have different agendas but coming up front you know i, I said that we all have different agendas and i said that it's going to be secret and you shouldn't share them with each other because they might be different so that we set that all up beforehand so if if um let's just say if one of the players turns around and says the Lannister says, sends her regards and shoots another player, you know, a big plot twist. But then people are expecting that, or at least maybe not expecting it, but they're aware that it's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, they're um, not expecting that particular thing, but they, they, know, they that know that people are maybe going to be doing different might happen. Yeah, and I think we, this is where with D&D, it's like there's a lot of people doing their own thing. Our benefit is that it's a published scenario, so like there's good 
there's good kind of conflicts in there. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to have these people that want to have problem players, you need to be very careful about how they do that if you're a GM. And if you want to do something as an experiment, like what our pal done, mm-hmm. you know, I would just think about how it's going to impact the general ecosystem of the game because if it's just going to be there to push buttons, I just wouldn't bother because you might just annoy other people. Um, mm-hmm. I get enjoying a concept, but broach the concept with people, you know, don't be weird about, like, I'm going to make this secret character and nobody will know. If you want to come and be a bit of a pest as a character, say that to your other players. They'll probably say no. Mm-hmm. But, you know, say that you'd like to explore the concept and you want to kind of build a cool story out of it. You know, don't don't hold it and then just slap everybody with it, which yeah. I kind of felt what was happening is more early on with that character. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's how to at least try and solve that one. But that's a hard one because it's... It's one person's creativity versus other things. But. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it depends on what's going on with the group. Is the group pretty open-minded? Is the group serious? Is the group light-hearted? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Figure out what the group is, and then depending on that answer, then kind of that shows you what sort of characters are going to fit in and work well. And it's also going to show you the ones that will not fit in and is going to create potential for conflict or people to become disengaged with the game or, you know, whatever other level of kind of upset that's going yeah. to cause. I mean, it's a hard one in our guys. <coughs> our games are kind of a bit more serious, so I get the concept being in there, but I remember saying to the GM at one point, this was a private one, I'm like, this guy's going to get his head chopped off very shortly, you know. So don't be surprised if that happens because he's totally, on, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just one of these things that maybe you see if you are in a position where it sounds as bad as what we're talking about. Because, I mean, it wasn't pure terror. I mean, it was pretty annoying, actually, but it wasn't, like, unplayable. But, do you know what? Just to be a character would do and kill him, you know, whatever it may be. Because tell you what, you see if I did that sooner, I probably wouldn't have been through at least several months of... It just felt like issues and... Yeah, but it was, it was a I mean, very unique situation. It's the only time I think I've not enjoyed games, probably, because I just get so fatigued. And maybe I should have said something. I've never really thought about it this way. I mean, ultimately, because <clears throat> you and I were both kind of in a similar position with it, where, again, like we said, it just felt that week after week when you were turning up, you were just doing the same thing over and over and over again, which was try to deal with chaos that somebody else was creating, whether it's through something small or something bigger or, you know, whatever. It was just every week there was some problem that you were having to deal yeah. with. And, I mean, like if it was a problem that you had to deal with because a character has been... I don't know. They've, they went to buy something from a shop and they've been framed for shoplifting and they've ended up in jail... Okay, that's a random thing that's happened through chance, through whatever the the DMs came up with as a story. No big deal, you deal with it. But when it's somebody's went in and then stole something from a shop and got themselves arrested, now you need to get them out. And then as soon as they're out, they go back to the same shop and then steal something again. This didn't happen. I'm just making stuff up off the top of my head there. But, you know, if it's something like that, then you go, we've just dealt with this and then we're back and we're dealing with it again. And then, oh no, and they've went out over there and they've threw a cow down a well and now we need to deal with that. And, oh, right, okay. And, you know, it's just problem after problem after problem. And ultimately that's 
That's kind of what it felt like, whether it was as much as that. And like you're saying, it just became a slog that week after week you're going, do I really want to be here? Do I really want to sit here for a couple of hours and do this rather than just sit and socialise or rather than this or that or whatever? And again, that's probably the longest period we've had that. Um, I would just say to kind of, it's almost to tie it off, but to actually add to it as well, it's one of these things where this is maybe something, in retrospect, if I was running the game and this was, if I was in the GM seat now and after, I wouldn't have known to do this at a time at all. This is more just because I've done so many games now and now we're breaking it up. The thing is, this wasn't the first character that was a bit of a pest either. You know, his first one, I think, was very stoic, but very hidden. But the second one was like, I'm Mr. Law and Order. And I remember through a series of just bad, it was crap rolls actually, but end up, I think we were thrown in jail. So then the guy's like, sure, and he was like, yeah, screw you, you can rot in jail while I do stuff. So ended, anyway, that resulted in his character getting killed because he had two very low-level characters. So it, was, it wasn't it was the first time we had yeah. a character with, like, a, a, an, an issue. Like, Pride comes before a fall. Uh, it was like, it was, yeah, it wasn't, like, you know, it's a chip in another shoulder in this character, you know. Yeah. And for this guy, the one we're talking about, it was this one was young, but the previous character, I don't know what what issue he had but he had an issue obviously mm-hmm. we never get here because he got killed but so this was like the second or third instance I don't think the first one was bad so we'll say the second instance where it was like mm-hmm. right, the same same thing just being a pain you know fighting be, being contrary to everybody not that you always need to align but it was actually in character issues constantly mm-hmm. so if it was me going ahead I'd be like okay I mean, if it, maybe I would have allowed the first one to happen, but when I seen it wasn't having a good effect, it would be a case of me going, ah, do we want to do this? Mm-hmm. Maybe even saying as a group, like, this is a concept, and if the GM signs it off, you know, I think the big thing's about communicating it, and if it is going to cause loads of problems, I think it's actually worth just talking to the player and GM about it and just, just clearing it up and saying, this is doing my head in, you know, and they might offer to retire the character, they might offer to try and work in maybe a wee thing, like a narrative reason for it to all kind of work out. That, I know it sounds really pedantic, but that is so much better than sitting through months where you're just mm-hmm. all getting a bit frustrated. I mean, maybe our, our pal wasn't, but I certainly was, and I think I made that quite clear as my character, and I think mm-hmm. your guy had as well, because they were button heads quite a bit, and rightfully so, and, and narrative-wise, you know, it made a lot of sense as well. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's how to solve that one, but it's going to be one of these things you'll, you'll know better as it happens. Yeah. So and I mean, ultimately, like for us, we should have kind of raised our issues with that mm-hmm. and then it would have potentially stopped the, you know, however long that ran for. It was literally months. It would have stopped that. But for me, from my point of view, I was going, right, this is... This is essentially a kind of reinvention of the previous character who literally made it like two games or something. So at first I was going, I don't really want to say anything because he was obviously really geared up for doing this. It was quite, it was quite gutted that yeah, that so character died so, so quick as well. Yeah, so Fair you, enough, you, you know. You kind of let it, you leave it for a bit. But the problem is the longer you leave it, the bigger the issue it becomes because you're now going, right, this is now... It started out as something that's now built into something else that's now building into something even bigger and it's like, oh, oh, right, how do I deal with this? So 
so there's that that was kind of initially there, but then the further it went in, you're going, right, I'm now essentially saying what, you, what you're what you doing in terms of your character is wrong, so stop it and do something else, but I'm right. You know, I'm going, right, that's not what I mean. Yeah. But that's how I'm worried it's going to come across, so how do I, how, how do I not say that? How do I not do that? Aye. And the longer time went on, the bigger the issue became, and the more it was like, this is... I'm, I'm digging myself a deeper hole, but I, I don't yeah. know how to get out. Yeah, I think the, the part yeah. of the issue maybe was as well, by that point, you know, you know, we'd never done anything like that either, so we probably weren't sure what to expect. I, I can't, it was hard to think, like, put myself back in that mind space, but um, it's just one of these things that maybe, maybe now we would actually be okay with something, because we've done so much, and particularly I've done loads of other groups and stuff, so it's like, I've seen a lot of this stuff happen there too, and, and how we've solved it. So, but certainly it's just one of these things which just, just if you're going to have a, pro a character that's going to, going to cause problems, one, I actually think, do you want to do that? Because if it's going to affect other people, I would just say, don't bother. If it's going to affect them negatively in their experience with the games, don't bother, I would just say, because one, you're just going to look like a bit of a twat. But two, you're also stopping people having fun, you know. Um, anyway, that kind of takes us on into unpleasant People that can be unpleasant at the table, and this isn't specifically, I suppose, the character stuff, it could be in-character unpleasantness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, specifically what I'm talking about here is people with, like, really bad table manners, they're really rude. They, they, I mean, people, I mean, I suppose rules lawyers and these other folk that, and we've got one more to talk about, but, you know, anyone at the table that is going to come and cause unpleasant behaviour, um, or, or perform like unpleasant behaviour, it just makes people feel uncomfortable. I think this is something that, it's a GM thing that you need to solve I would say talk privately with the GM and then maybe get a chat with with other people at the table or the GM should even do this individually if not as a group and see what what's the problem with one of these players just to give you an example that I know of like there's been a guy that I mean I'll, I'll say the guy that constantly cancels and stuff but when he comes he's always arguing with people he wants to be the main character all the time he's got like his characters always have superiority things they want to be to control everyone so you do this and I'm like Get out of here, no happening. Um, you know, so like people like that, like how do you handle them? And for me, it's really a case of you need to like totally nip it straight mm -hmm. because you see, if you don't, I've had players that think they're the best things since sliced bread. They come in, their characters are the best. They think they know how to role play the best. You know, but really, other than the fact that they've got very poor table manners, manners are very rude and a whole host of other stuff I don't want to go into so it's just like it just made every game that they were part of completely miserable like I didn't want to be there for it and this was a game I played in so I'd said to the GM look if this guy keeps us up I'm just no bothering like you just can do your little arcs and stuff but I mean the reason I ended up he was like that's fine no problem he was a bit upset but he's like I get it because he's known the guy for a long time and historically been like this mm -hmm. but the, the, the only reason I kept going was because I knew he wouldn't show up half the games you know Mm -hmm. But then what ended up happening was the GM was upset because he'd written story stuff for the guy and I said to him, if you know he doesn't show up half the time, don't do that. But um, I, I would just say you, you've got to address it and be, and be very careful with it. I, I would let the GM do it or whoever's closest with them in the group, even if they're not the GM, they've got to say to the guy about it because it's just one of these things that's going to cause issues. The, the guy I've got in mind... It was constantly arguing with people, constantly causing issues, constantly annoying everyone else at the table because he just felt like he was the best thing in the room. Mm -hmm. And that was before he started playing a character who he thought was also the best thing in the room. 
Um, so uh, that's just all I would say about it. It's just, you just need to approach it sensitively. I'd maybe say to the GM, but if the GM is not the person that's the most kind of friendly with them, say mm. to them about it. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to add. Because we've never had this problem. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, again, with just to emphasise that previous point, so with that other character that was disruptive for us, the person that was playing the character, absolutely brand new, yeah, fine, no, no issues, issues with. At all. And it was only issues with the character doing stuff rather than he was doing stuff that just so happened to be with the character I, there. Yeah. If, if anything, the only problem was the guy wanted to make a character that went against the grain to see how much he could push button. I mean, that's like, because that's what he done with the previous guy as well to some extent. But then that's just, that's just a character creation thing. That's not even a problem with the mm-hmm. guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas this case is very much, the guy is very unplayable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's nice enough, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that he's like a total nightmare. But as soon as he starts playing games, man, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he doesn't socialise enough and he feels oh, like that's his only way to socialise and it just becomes unbearable most mm. games. But I anyway, sorry you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to kind of agree with what you're saying there and things. But, I mean, having somebody with a disruptive character is less of an issue than somebody who themselves are disruptive. disruptive. Because with somebody with the character that's disruptive, the worst part of the conversation you're going to have is your idea that you think is creative is causing a problem or your idea yeah. that you think is creative isn't Absolutely. actually that good. Right, that's that's the worst the conversation. That's not what we're saying about, like, this is the worst case. <laughs> this isn't about the guy we're talking about. But, um, I, yeah, but, you know, like that's, that's the worst it's going to be. But for somebody who themselves is rude or somebody who themselves is quite selfish with the amount of attention they're getting from the GM or you know whatever it is that they're doing that's causing issues whether they're rude to other people or whether they're borderline abusive to other people you know I don't know how wild some of the games out there are oh, I've again, seen that. yeah yeah well, that's, well then again do we want <laughs> do we want to hear about that in the comments maybe we do maybe we don't Aye. but anyway Aye. when that is happening then the the difference is the conversation that you need to have is you are the problem. Now, whether that's, you know, you've done this, this, this and this, stop it. Or whether it's you've done this, this, this and this, so don't come back. Or whatever level it is that you figure out or whatever it is that's been happening. If you're, the, and, and this goes back to what we said before, if you are the DM or the GM, think about yourself as the referee. So you need to have the final say on rules. Everybody knows that you need to have the final say on rules. You don't necessarily need to overtly state that if there's any issues between people at the table, that you've, you're the one that's going to be dealing with it. But try and take that responsibility because everybody that's there knows it's your story that they're working their way through and so on and so on and so on. So you've naturally, you're going to have a bit of, again, authority is probably the wrong word here, but it's the kind of only thing I can think of. Yeah, well, I mean, effectively, that's what it is. You're kind of like the voice of reason almost, Mm -hmm. even though maybe you wouldn't say it like that, but I would definitely say you are the person that has 
the authority over that game. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's, I think that's probably the way to look at it, especially yeah. with kind of think like this. That, that this is a now we're given an extreme example. I've got one more maybe to cover before mm-hmm. we move on, but this is a really extreme example. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's yeah. the thing to point out. This is an extreme example, but the way to look at it is because it's your story. Yeah. And you know, blah blah blah. You're inviting these other people to play your game. So the people that are there are there by your invite. So there's two things with that kind of dynamic. If there's somebody there that's on the receiving end of this, then okay, it might be that other person that's giving them grief, but they're also potentially looking at you and going, why are they not stepping in? Why are they not backing me up? So you've got that to think about and consider, but you've also got the fact that because you've invited people to play your game, your story, that you have then the person who the next game, the next game, the next game is bringing that person back into that situation. So try and take that responsibility yourself. Now, it doesn't mean that, like Jordan was saying earlier on, if there's somebody there that's known this other person since they were five or whatever, that you can't go, look, can you have a word with them and can you explain this, this, this and this? And let them know that they're being disruptive for you know whatever. It doesn't mean that you can't use somebody else at the table if you think that it'll have a better effect. Whether yeah. that's um, that they'll actually listen to that person, or they're more likely to listen to that person than you, or whether it's that it will take some of the edge off of it if they've not been super disruptive, but they're causing a bit of issues here and there. It doesn't mean that you can't do that, but don't wait for that person to do that themselves because the danger for them is that the other person reacts negatively and is going, well, the GM hasn't said anything, so it must be fine. It fits with the story. You know, you're taking things out of context. Whereas yeah, if you have the GM have asked the person and that's what's happened, then, you know, it's, it's a different thing. But again, I've said it before here and there, if, if you are DM... GM, think about yourself as a referee and try and take as much responsibility for things as you can because, again, it's going to help flow. And like Jordan was saying as well, that sometimes you need to kind of be assertive with what you do, that through dealing with things before they become an issue, then it's small, so you're not having to come across as being authoritative but you're managing to kind of lay the groundwork should you run into something later on. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you know, I don't want it to sound like, you know, I'm sitting there and I go, this is what my games will be like. If you do not comply, you know where the door is, get out. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my games are really fun. And, like, this guy that I was speaking, the really bad one, like, for me, that's grounds to tell the guy to just take a hike, you know, especially when he's making out of a group of, five or six players and then and then a, a GM on top of that, every single player is their head is getting done in with a guy, you know. So and the thing is the GM is the guy that knows this person very well. So I, I mean it's one of these things that he, that needs to be solved by them. But um I mean a lesser example but still very extreme is like there's a lot of my games we're just there to have fun. Like, you know, that's a big thing. We do follow the rules, we do stick to it, but we do have a lot of fun too. And there's been one person in particular that um, I have in mind that 
he's very argumentative now the actual player himself drinks way too much and then fights all the time with people and one of the things that I learned from this and it by no means is it, am I annoyed with the guy and stuff like we're actually brand new we get on but when he's littered and playing this game of D&D like the, I don't really want to say the example of the game either in case to hear it because I don't want him to be upset about it but Although I have spoken to him about it. Um, basically, you know, I had a, like double digits people at, in my house to play this game. Not saying they all played it, but, you know, there was a lot of people playing the game, much more than I would recommend. Uh, this guy was totally smashed. And in every, not only was he constantly cheating, but he was arguing at every opportunity that he could. Hmm. And I just had to go, look, my man, you, you've got to cut this out because not only are you making this slight. Like, this wasn't the first instance of this, it was actually the second. The first time around, he actually really upset another player and he left the room to relax because he was about to slap the guy, I think. Um, and I was like, you're cut off, basically, dude, like, wrap it. Mm. Uh, but this was another instance of this. So this was a much, this is a more extreme example than the first guy I spoke about, but this has only been a couple of cases of it, whereas the other guy's been unpleasant since day one. But anyway, um, so I, I just said to the guy who was sitting next to me, I could, so I could see him cheating all night. I'm going, I'm just going to ignore everything he tells me for his turn because I'm just going, I'd rather not spend time arguing with the guy. We were tight for time. There was a lot of people there. It was a big game we were doing. Um, but it just, I'd said to the others after it, I just told the guy, I'm not arguing with you. That's it. You're done. So I moved on. And he was annoying. He constantly argued with me the whole night. But I ended up sending him to the sin bin, um, which was kind of awkward for a guy that's older than me. But I was like, you're in my house and you're playing my game. So I, I was losing the rag a bit, though. Go to the naughty step. I, I, I mean, when it's like two in the morning, you're like, I'm not up for this now. Um, but I mean, this is like, I've done games for like, several years or a few years and this is like two times that this has happened so I mean it's very it's not common this will happen but after the game and stuff I'd spoke to the guy and I'd said I'm sorry I was really angry at him and stuff because I'm going but you were in my ear for like four hours hmm. arguing you know and he's oh no I don't I just don't da, 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 da. so I just said to him like look if we, if we continue to do these sort of games yeah. if you start drinking like this you're getting cut out you're losing turns wait sorry you're losing turns then getting cut out and then I'm just kicking a character you're just not getting involved in these games I'm not do these sessions where you're involved you can come to them but you're not playing if you're going to be drinking the way you are um, and he's like oh, he thinks we've got upset but he, he gets it you know but it was us two having a chat about it but before they even had that chat I spoke to the other guys at the group the, the two in particular that know him very well and said I'm going to be saying this to the guy because not only did like one of the finales that we've done was completely botched because of the guy's behaviour and that was the night you made everybody quite uncomfortable more than once. You know, this was now the second time it had happened in a, you know, within a few games of each other, you know. So it was pretty big. And, I, you know, I just said, and his kind of best pal had said to him, so I think he spoke to him first. So it kind of prepped the whole thing. But it's worth just being very careful with it. And I certainly did not take it personally off the guy, you know, because he was getting smashed. And I get it. He just needs to have a bit more impulse control if he's like we're here the difference with these games is we're there to play games and have fun oh, have fun first play games as a backdrop yeah. but in these cases it was like one of them one of the guys that was there who was also a problem but at least he was like a delight he was a nice problem you know but he could barely walk like that's the level that these two guys were at so definitely just take it a pinch of salt and what I would just say just to tie off this whole section with unpleasant personalities is 
like for this guy in particular, he's not there to cause a problem. He's just his judgments all over the place. So that's why I didn't take it personally. And then I wasn't annoyed up the next day or anything. I just said to him, "Look, if you keep that up, I don't mind if you want to get that drunk, but you, I'll be stopping your character from having any turns and stuff." But and he's doesn't think he's really agreed. But he also doesn't realise how much of a pest he's been. So, but I just said that's just the way it's going to be, and that's fine. Um, but we got over it, and it was fine. You know, it was very uncomfortable at the time, but we got over it. Um, and I would just say most people aren't trying to be a pest and that's the main thing mm-hmm. the use case I told you about before where the guy thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread um, I, I don't know what his problem is but he's got one you know mm-hmm. so it's just one of these things where it's just like I mean it's also not my game so I'm just I've spoke to people about it already and I said like this has got to stop but um, you know most people aren't wanting to be a pest now that the main guy I was speaking about that is uh, you know a constant problem maybe he does have something that he's got issues with or whatever but most people won't so just maybe if you're having these conversations just keep that in mind it's really easy to get upset at folk and go in a wee tirade about it you know but you've just got to just get to just think about it like they're not meaning it you know it's the same thing with that the kind of main problem guy no showing up to games and the GM get really upset and I said look just stop here's my advice mm-hmm. stop listening stop prepping games for that guy just if he shows up he shows up but he's a benign factor to the games let him come and participate rather than be a core factor of these games that he runs Mm -hmm. Uh, he's not taking that advice on board and he still continues to get annoyed by him but Mm. I've said my piece so yeah make him a passenger of the story not the driver it's the same thing as well that I do with this is maybe another episode but certainly if I'm organising games and some people are unreliable there um, I don't organise it with them in mind at all. I don't. I don't plan for them to be there. I just plan for the core group. Anyone else wants to join, feel free. And it means that it allows people to also have that safety net. That if they're not that interested in the game, they don't feel like they have to come because mm-hmm. some people aren't interested. And I know some people aren't interested when other people play. Uh, certainly, if there's p- people that have been problems in the past, they can, that can be part of it. So mm-hmm. that's all I would say about it. Um, I think this kind of takes on to the last one, although I think we've probably covered this almost completely, and this is people that want to wind people up all the time. Um, I would basically say with people that are wind-up merchants, just if they want to have a game that's about winding everybody up, make sure you make a game dedicated to that, and that's it. You know, If you're going to have people that are serious and people wanting to wind up people all the time, Again, it just goes back to just telling them. Like you got if it's winding, if it's actually annoying people, you need to tell them. But otherwise, I would set the tone early on for it. That's mm-hmm. all I would say. Because most people that are wind up merchants are throwing quips in all the time at games and horror games. You know, sometimes that might be not, not the vibe you're going for. But I think comedy horror works best because you need a bit of brevity in your very very miserable and bleak games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say just take it. It depends on the context, but. It's just the same thing, just similar to unpleasant personalities, you know, where just speak to people at the game and talk to the problem person if it is a problem. But if you set the tone of the game beforehand and you let people know what yeah. to expect, which is our setting expectations episode, mm-hmm. I don't think you'll have as much a problem. I think that that's only going to be so much a problem with people you don't know rather mm-hmm. than people you do, because at least you know each other by that point. But yeah. I don't know if there's anything else to add to that, but... It kind of feels like a bit of an add-on after that because we've covered so much of it, but yeah, it's I worth mean, mentioning, I think. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. Like, some days, again, there, to be light-hearted, you know, that's different from somebody that's there and is winding people up. So whether that's 
intentional or whether it's accidental, again, you need to kind of figure out as to what side of the line that it's fallen on. If it's an accident, then like we've said before, we quit conversation and that should kind of knock the nail on the head and deal with it. But if it's more deliberate and then you've got more of a minefield that you then need to navigate. So yeah. again, just kind of taking the same approach as to what we've kind of outlined before. So having a talk with them um, possibly getting somebody that they're closer with in the group to talk to them as well. But if you are the GM, make sure it's under kind of your guidance, mm-hmm. your instruction. Um, again, if you physically need to warn them in game, uh, remembering that you can be firm with people, but it doesn't mean that you're kind of being authoritative, or yeah. it doesn't mean that you're you're being completely unfair or unkind to them or anything like that and again if you need to then during a game when you get a little lull if somebody's doing a role yeah use that time wisely and productively so it then means that if you are on a break you then don't need to go and deal with an issue you can go you can get a drink stretch your legs you know whatever it is that you're doing on your your pauses in the game and and get back into it and just have fun. Yeah, I would certainly say in terms of being like fun, but you know, being fair. When I say things like give them the benefit of the doubt, even if you know that they shouldn't get it, like just do that anyway, because it's going to maybe make your, yeah the message that you've got for them might come across a bit better than it would if you were just a bit angry with them. But even talking about the guy that gets pure smashed at those, those two games I was talking about, like it was disruptive to the point where he was interrupting other people's mm-hmm. stuff and all that. So I was using like I used a break to say to him, cut this out and it did stop for a bit and it came back and they get more drunk. But one of the things I'd done as well, I mean, just to give you an example of the sort of nonsense it was, it was like, I'm casting a spell. I was like, cool, what spell? This one, do me, give me a save. And I said, okay, I made the save. And he goes, I never cast that spell. Because he forgot he'd cast the spell. And I'm going, Ugh. and this happened three times. And I said, right, that's true, you've had your three. So I said, how about now? I'm just going to count a spell it then. He's like, that's not how it works. I went, the spell is called Counterspell, which means it counters your spell. So, like, you know, so anyway, we ended up just telling the guy to just shut it for a bit. I said, go and read the spell, and I moved on with it around. Just, it took him about 15 minutes to get through the, the description. So, but certainly, don't, I wouldn't be afraid about it, because as long as you just approach it calmly, which can be hard, I know, at the time, it's going to be all right. Because really, we've covered the kind of main strategies, which is things like making sure, well, you can do it between games. If, if there's a problem that has occurred, you can discuss it before or after games, but even setting the tone at the start is, like we've mentioned, can be important to just let people set their mind up, especially if you know, it might be a volatile group. Just set their expectations straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly I think warnings in-game only really need to come if it's actually becoming an obvious problem because you don't want to make, because it makes people feel awkward. But to be honest, if somebody's interrupting and being a pest mm-hmm. and making everyone feel awkward at that point, it's not much worse to just go, shut it, <laughs> you shut it. Uh, we're talking at the break, um, and I, I use breaks a lot, like James saying there. I use them quite a lot just for just to give me space to organise a fight. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's getting out of hand, or just to be like, let's have a break. It lets some of the people that may be getting a wee bit naffed off, you know, out for a, have a cigarette or something. But it lets me get a bit of time to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, though, I don't need to use a lot of emergency meetings. Like I don't need to put breaks in to have these sort of discussions. 
but the times that I've had to do it, which I would say is less than a ha- handful of times, or less than a dozen for sure since I started playing and, and running games, it's really not happened that much. But that's the things just to be aware of. So I think it just ties in quite nicely then with, I mean, why are these things even in here? Why why should you even need to bother with problem players instead of just ignore them? I think the bottom line is you're doing these games for fun, I think. Um, and if you're not doing those for fun and you're trying to get something more serious, then I certainly would not be inviting people that don't know that's the brief. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're probably going to get a bit annoyed. You might come across as ratty to your players. So, But for me, at least, I do these games for fun. And I love the creative process. I like writing the games. I like making the stories up. I like doing RP yeah. stuff with my pals. So we have a good time. So just make sure, you know, you're there for if that's what you're there for, you're there for fun. And if that's impacting more than just you, because if you're just getting annoyed, it might be that maybe you've got a, not you're the problem, but maybe you've got something that you need to kind of change your mindset about. And um, but if it's affecting certainly all your players, then you shouldn't be worried about telling whoever the problem is. Like, look, you're causing a problem. You know, and like, what's the worst that's going to happen? They'll stop playing your game. And I think that sounds like a win to me. <laughs> So yeah, pretty much. But kind of quickly, I know that we're kind of nearing the end of that. But just with what you said there, going back to the game we were talking about earlier with the disruptive character that both me and Jordan were playing in. Part of the reason as well that I never said anything about that is because I went, "Is it me that's got the issue here? Um, am I taking things out of context?" Am I reacting personally when everybody thinks it's RP and it's all above board and all okay? And I think that's part of the reason why as well that I've never done anything because I went through that process of going, well, rather than assuming it's somebody else's problem, rather than assuming that somebody else is, is doing this on purpose, that I went, right, okay, Hit pause, sit, think, reflect. Is it me? And then however long it took until you and I had a conversation yeah. and then we went, all right, okay, you're thinking along the same lines. Right, okay, I can be a bit more relaxed about some of the issues I'm having. I think that's really good because certainly with like that guy that got pure smashed, now I think the night before they had less than, like, it was definitely single... Um, it was less than it was like handfuls worth of sleep at best. It was a. I like the fact you were going to say it was single digits. And I was going to say that's normal. You're supposed to. Have. They're supposed to have single digits. Um, but but I'm, when I say handful, I'm talking about five hours or something or less. Um, which happens sometimes if I'm you know, busy weeks or whatever. But um, I so I remember when that guy was getting super smashed. I just said to like during one of the breaks, I said like, "Am I being a bit like?" I'm, I mean, I'm getting annoyed at him. I know I'm certainly maybe shouldn't be getting as annoyed as like shouldn't be at least showing him getting as annoyed as I was. Mm-hmm. I should have just been a bit more assertive rather than just getting a bit angry. And um, but I said, am, am I being unreasonable thinking this? And I, I said like just to make sure because I couldn't. It's hard to tell when you've got like fourteen people in your house, like and the, whoever's playing. It's hard out of all, all of those people. You know, it's hard to see who's actually getting annoyed. The thing is, because it's so big, so many players, people are chatting in between turns as well, and that's fine, they're allowed to do that. So, but I said to one of the guys who was there most of it, and I said, look, can you just help me out with this guy just a bit? If, if the problem's actually as bad as I think it is, can you help me out and stuff? Now, it's fine, I got that kind of affirmation that, you know what, I, the guy was being a bit of a, bit of a pest, and it was just he needed a bit more management than what I was able to give him because I had so many players, in it. Mm-hmm. so many 
people in the room and players at the table. Um, so, but yeah, it's certainly one. The biggest thing is communicate. I would say full stop. You're going to hear this all the time. Yeah, you're there to have fun and don't you know. I would also say if you've set up a serious game that everyone else is wanting to have a fun one, maybe consider changing how you're approaching your game as a GM. Same thing with me talking about uh, the spellcasting rules causing issues for one person in particular, and we just ended up going, cool, well, if you've got the actions to use, whatever spell it is, you can do it. I'll be doing it too, um, which is much worse for them. But we changed the game up to just stop these same issues hitting, you know, but it felt like we're hitting our heads against the wall. Um, but certainly like I know people that especially with horror games you find a lot of people find it quite cerebral and they like to get into it and it's like very conceptual in practice sometimes not that interesting and pretty dull to play Um, but I've certainly seen people that run these sort of games and they love it whereas everyone else is going when do we actually get to have fun like Mm -hmm. you know that problem person I told you about before that's generally a pain at the table when he ran the only game he ran he we had no agency. I, I think we've spoke about this. Like he ran a game for us, but we barely got to play our characters. We played through his own little movie. Uh, he rolled our skill checks for us, which is we were just like, "What? What are you doing?" He rolled our skill checks for us. He he said what we could and couldn't do. Like so, there was no agency there. So and obviously for him, he was expecting running a game to be quite different. It was all about what he wanted, mm-hmm. um, but. Likewise, if you're wanting a serious game and everyone else is kind of taking it up and having fun, if they're having fun and it's just you that seems to have the issue, I'd maybe just change your mindset a bit, that's yeah. all. It's just worth mentioning because mm-hmm. I, I do see some GMs, I'm not precious about the games, I don't care how many hours I've put into it, I'm not precious about them, but I've seen people that are precious about their games get mm-hmm. really upset and what generally happens is they make players uncomfortable and that's much worse than just you as a GM when you could have just changed what you were doing with your game you know it could have made it a lot easier so I think that's everything I've got to say on this topic I don't know is, is there anything just to say before the outro there no I, again I think right. we've covered most cool. things there and uh, again talk to people if you know you're having issues communicate yeah. that's like the only thing Let's, if you get anything from this and I think every step along this way we've said talk to someone about it yeah you know and even when you're as a GM you basically need to pull the gavel out and send it to someone to descend in mm-hmm. you know you still need to be able to communicate that in a way that just doesn't make you look like you're being just being yeah, a yeah. Um, but I think then that just ties it off we'll throw it back to you then Based on what you've heard here, because I know there's a lot of horror stories out there about RPG games, so if you're listening or watching and you've had a bad experience with another player, whether you've ran a game for them or played with them and had the misfortune to do so, we'd love to hear how was that handled, if at all. If it wasn't, why do you think it wasn't handled in the first place? Like, Could you, some someone or you have stepped in to, to resolve it? Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, yep. Yeah, and if you want to if you're on YouTube watching us or listening to yeah. it on YouTube as well. Uh, <clears throat> there's comments underneath that you can leave yeah. your answers in. There's Facebook there, there's Twitter there, there's Instagram and there's Discord as well. Cool. So anyway, you've heard our thoughts and let us know in whatever socials that we have. We've got even more coming, so just keep your eyes out and we'll put them in the descriptions once we have them. But until next time, thanks for listening and or watching. It's bye from me. And bye from you.